This is Messages from the Universe with Lori Wondra of Your Life Core. Here, Lori delivers information from the Mastery Realms related to astrology, planetary influences, energy surges, and generally how we are evolving. She connects with angels, guides, ascended masters, astro beings, and those that come forward with messages to help us on our journey. Welcome, everyone, to Messages from the Universe podcast. Hello, I am Lori Wantra, and thank you for listening. Most of us know what bathing is. And recently, I was hosting the Quiero Healers of Peru for a three-day event where they offered remote healing for people across the globe via Zoom. And I was reminded in working with them about the importance of energy bathing. In those opening ceremonies, we talked about the human body needing regular bathing, washing away of dirt, but we neglect or we forget about the importance of bathing our energy fields, our etheric field. That's that field that's just outside our physical body that protects us from energy that's bouncing around all the time. And then there's the emotional field and the mental field. And all of these are our energetic bodies and they need regular clearing and alignment. We have regular routines for much in our life, cleaning our homes, doing laundry, even changing the oil or washing our vehicles. Yet something so important to our physical, emotional, mental, our energetic bodies, we forget. And maybe some of you didn't even know it was needed. There are ways that nature organically helps us do this such as being outside and connecting to the energy of Mother Earth. Shinryuko, that's translated directly into forest bathing, is believed to have originated in Japan. It's like sunbathing, and the idea is that you bathe in the atmosphere of the forest by noticing your surroundings and breathing in the oxygen and the wood oils that are let off by the trees and the plants. The term emerged in the 1980s as a psychological exercise, and they coined it as Shrinyuku or forest bathing. But our elders and our ancestors have been doing this for generations, whether they knew this or not. Modern day, we live more inside than outside with nature, so we must focus and make an effort to be outside, be more connected to nature. In the past, we just organically spent time in nature. Our ancestors were farmers and builders, and they lived and worked and spent more time in nature. In all my retreats, we do nature walk where we are in silence and we purposefully connect with the trees, with earth, with plants and water. And I encourage people on the trail to look for the tiniest thing they can find and look for the largest things. Look for the animal images or the images that live within the trees or the shapes within the leaves. And it never fails. There will always be one leaf high up in the trees, waving frantically to get our attention as we make our way on the path. All the other leaves on the tree are calm and quiet, and there's one that's moving. Try it the next time you're out in nature. Spend time looking up into the trees, and I will guarantee you'll find that one leaf that's just frantically trying to get your attention. Forest bathing has become a vital part of preventative health care in Japan. The results of Japanese studies have shown forest bathing improves sleep quality, mood ability to focus, and 
reduces stress levels. Nature therapy, sometimes referred to as ecotherapy, forest therapy, forest bathing, grounding, earthing, semilak, and of course, shenryuku, is a practice that describes a broad group of techniques or treatments that use nature to improve mental or physical health. We know that spending time in nature has various psychological benefits such as relaxation and of course, stress reduction. Snow bathing is also a common practice in some countries and cultures. It's a blessing of the pristine energy of the snow. And if you think of the snowflake, Each individual snowflake is actually sacred geometry. The shape of the snowflake is sacred geometry. But do you know what star bathing is? We like to stargaze, but have you thought of star bathing? In forest bathing, you simply spend time in the forest connecting with nature. The trees, the root systems, the plants, the dearth, where we lay upon the ground and look under the canopy of a tree. We're almost suspended in the energy of earth and the branches of the tree. The roots of the tree connects us to the dirt, and the root system connects us to everything below or beneath us. The root systems connect us to water sources, to mineral sources. And if we go deep enough, we connect with the flowing rivers, crystal beds, and all the critters that live, or maybe that rest, or that sleep there. They wake and emerge to roam Mother Earth during the day and sleep at night, or maybe they roam at night. But we go deeper. We can connect with the lava systems, the caves, and the caverns. But what about star bathing? Well, it's gazing at stars. Stars are always there, but we see them at night, and we see them even clearer when we move away from the glow of city light, which is often termed light pollution, and we're just freely being able to look at the stars being under the stars. It's that five billion star review. If you've ever had the opportunity to sleep outside under the stars without any light interference. I've spent time sleeping out in the open many times in northern Minnesota, certainly in the deserts of Arizona or the mountaintops of Peru. Anywhere where you don't have light pollution will give you a different view of the sky. And for thousands of years, people have watched the stars and the planets. The movement of the Milky Way and the cycles of the moon, looking up for answers or direction and guidance. We've been drawn to the patterns in the skies, where there are 200 billion trillion stars. And of course, the sun being the biggest that we know of to date. There are 88 constellations officially recognized by the International Astronomical Union. 36 motor constellations predominantly lie in the northern sky, where 52 constellations are found in the southern celestial hemisphere. And in those 88 official constellations, there are 42 animal constellations. And the other constellations... They're made up of objects, human form, chimeneras, and natural features. 88 constellations and 42 animal constellations. We have such a connection to our vibrational energy of the animal kingdom. Just a few of those animal constellations are the ram, which is Aries, the eagle, the crab. We have the big dog, the little dog, the sea goat, the crow, the swan, the porpoise. 
There's even a little horse. And of course, there's the big bear, Ursa Major, and the little bear, Ursa Minor. And I'm going to talk about those two in just a little bit. But the constellations act as a compass for centuries, guiding journeys, seasons, and more. Our ancestors used these same stars to monitor the seasons, to guide them, or just sit and relax beneath. We've studied the movement, the creation, and even the death of a star. We've pondered what is a star. Where does it come from? How long does it live? What is it made up of? We've traveled to space to study the sky and the stars. And when we talk about star bathing, it means to sit under the stars and gaze and absorb the energy that is limitless. It means to connect to the purity and the wonder of the twinkling dot that is so far away we simply can't imagine the distance and what it might look like up close or the volume that it exists. We just know that it is a light that draws us in. How do these things hang in the sky? What causes them to be bright or dim? I know when I've camped in the desert, it feels like the stars come down upon you. Or even along the North Shore in northern Minnesota, sitting by the lake, it seems like the stars move down to meet you. Stars teach us to always look up. As humans, we tend to look to our past and what's behind us. We tend to look down, sometimes unsure of our footing and the steps that we're taking. Or we ponder, where have we gone and where are we going? We may look up. We may look forward, so focused on a goal or a result that we lose our peripheral vision to all that there is. And most often we forget to look up and see what is possible beyond where we've been and where we are now. And of course, the stars have patterns and maps and messages. Somebody at some point in time created those patterns or drew the animal images across the patterns of the stars. As human, we love a good map, a good plan, an outcome, a story, something that we can understand something that helps us remember. There's comfort in knowing that there is a plan and that we can follow that plan, that there is a celestial blueprint, a celestial plan. There's comfort in knowing there is something out there that might just be watching over us or guiding us or helping us. And of course, we love mystery, we love data, and we love those stories. So the fact that there is so much yet unexplored reminds us that such as in life, we continue to seek to find, to be curious about the mystery, to seek the data, to ponder the course of our stories in our life, and of course, to wonder what's out there. And we do create stories about everything. It's just how our mind works. It helps us relate things and remember things. So why would it not be any different that there are stories to the stars? The bear that I mentioned earlier, Ursa Major. Well, the bear is known to have seven stars that form the Big Dipper. That's probably the constellation most of us grew up. It's the easiest to see, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere. The well-known pattern in Ursa Major, which is among the oldest recognized pattern in the sky. Interestingly, although the pattern represents a variety of objects, to many cultures, in fact, a plow, a wagon, a coffin, a skunk, a camel, a shark, a canoe, a bushel, a sickle, even a hog's jaw. Stories about this constellation may date back to the Ice Age, where ancient people 
could cross over the Bering Strait to North America. At that time, cultures in both Siberia and Alaska shared a common heritage. It is even thought possible that the constellation actually got its name 50,000 years ago when a Paleolithic bear cult existed. A recurring theme that runs through mythology is the kinship of bears and humans. Bears can lumber along on all fours or stand up on their hind feet and gesture with their front paws. Ursa Major, in its travels throughout the heavens, constantly changes or seems to run along on all fours nearest the horizon and then rises to its hind feet to begin the ascent back into the sky. There have been many fairy tales and fantasies written about people taking the form of bears, and in some cultures, bears are regarded as gods. The Mi'kmaq Indians of Nova Scotia and the Iroquois Indians along the St. Lawrence Seaway share one story about the big bear. In this story, the quadrangle of the dipper represents a bear that is pursued by seven hunters. The three closest hunters are the handle of the dipper. As autumn approaches, the fourth farthest hunter dips below the horizon and abandons the hunt, leaving the closest three hunters to chase the bear. The hunters are all named after birds. The closest hunter to the bear is named Robin, the second closest is Chickadee, and the third is Moosebird. Chickadee is carrying the pot in which the bear will be cooked. The second star in the handle is actually two stars, the famous double star system called Mizar and Elcor, which represents Chickadee and the pot. In autumn, as the bear attempts to stand up on two legs, the robin wounds the bear with an arrow. The wounded bear sprays blood on robin, who shakes himself, and in the process colors the leaves of the forest red. That's autumn. And of course, some of the blood stains onto the robin, and he is henceforth called Robin Redbreast. The bear is eaten, and the skeleton remains travel through the sky on its back during winter. And during the following spring, a new bear leaves the den, and eternal hunt resumes again. Now in Greek mythology, Callisto, the beautiful princess daughter of the king Arcadia, became a lover of Zeus, and the boy Arcus was born from this union. And the goddess Harris, Zeus's wife, after learning of yet another betrayal of her husband, decided to punish her rival, Castillo, by transforming her into a great bear. The bear could now only howl and wander through the forest, and the princess stood on her two paws and begged Zeus to have her changed back to her original shape. But Zeus did not want to antagonize his wife and did nothing for Callisto. The bear was now roaming on the banks of the forest next to where she lived and hidden from everyone else she watched her friends despite the fear of being sniffed by hunting dogs. She only risked her life to see her son Arcus grow. And Arcus did grow, believing that one day he would see his mother again. And time passed, and one day, as the great bear wandered through the forest, she encountered a hunter who was her beloved son, Arcus, and she hadn't seen him in years. The mother forgot that she was a bear and stood up on her hind legs and tried to hug her son. And Arcus thought the bear was about to attack him and thrust his spear into the bear. But Zeus did not allow such a tragedy and intervened. And Zeus transformed 
both mother and son into constellations. The mother's constellation became known by the name of Ursa Major, and her son's constellation was Ursa Minor. They remain together connected in the sky. Ursa Major is the third largest constellation and is visible in the northern hemisphere most of the year. We love a good story. We learn from them. We remember those that strike a chord with us. We use stories to communicate with others and teach about us or the world. Look to the stars and be curious of where you came from. Why are you here? How are you spending time while your mission on earth continues? Who and what is important to you? Build your stories around this and the brightness of your being. Create a happy outcome. Be curious without limits, ever-changing, and forever moving. The stars are always there, even in the sunlight. They remain burning bright. And we all have people around us that fade into the background, but we know that they're always there if we need them. Some reappear to us when we're in our darkest moments, and others just continue to hold us in the light. All humans have light. All humans burn bright, and stars burn bright and they twinkle and they remind us of the light that we have within us, that we sometimes sparkle very, very bright and sometimes we feel dim, and sometimes we just shine like the brightest light. Sometimes it feels good to be out in front and be seen like the brightest light, but other times it might feel good just to be quiet. Sometimes your light is needed to guide the way to others. And sometimes you need the light of another to guide you. We are, however, all in the world or on this planet together. Whether we know each other or not, every person on this planet, we are all here right now. So we must be on the same mission of a grand scale. The stars remind us of our youth. Times in the past we spent outside. The time we saw that shooting star or the Milky Way or the North Star, the brightest star, the times we tried to pick out the Big Dipper or Major Ursa or other constellations. Shooting stars remind us to shoot for our dreams, take risks, wish, dream big, and of course, hope for the future. Look forward. The excitement we feel when we catch that view of a falling or shooting star It sparks the inner child within us. The stars teach us hope. Many of you grew up with a familiar poem, and many of you probably teach this poem to your children or grandchildren, and it helps them bring the wonders of the sky into their life. It reminds them that lights that shine above can be wished upon. Star bright, star light, first star I see tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might have the wish I wish tonight. When you have that next opportunity to sit outside beneath the stars, away from the light pollution of modern lights, ponder the expansive energy of the universe, the areas yet undiscovered, the possibilities of the unseen, the excitement and the mystery that continues to draw us to look up, look outward, and explore. And just as our souls continue to live here on earth, our minds have the ability to travel to the spans of time and space. And be curious, be creative, wonder, and don't be afraid to wander. And my wish for you, starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight, I wish I may, I wish I might 
have all your wishes granted you tonight. I'm Lori Wondra of Your Life Corps, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Messages from the Universe podcast with Lori Wondra of Your Life Corps. For current events or to schedule a private session with Lori, please visit yourlifecore.com.